Well, welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. Hope you brought your Bibles with you. You guys ought to bring your Bibles to Wednesday night. So you can actually open it up and see if I'm lying to you or not. Making this stuff up. And uh, get familiar with your Bibles. What we do is we take a book of the Bible. We pretty much go through it one verse at a time. In the Old Testament, we cheat a lot because there's a lot of stuff you just don't want to read. Especially in this part of the Bible where you've got all these laws and rules and religious regulations from the laws of Moses. You can read all that on your own time. But we have been going through and getting all the significant parts. Now, put you where we are in the story. God has called out from Egypt a nation of slaves. These are people who uh, their culture really wasn't all that firm of a foundation. Uh, They didn't really even realize who they were worshiping. They knew it was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was about the depth of their knowledge. They knew God was for them and had promised to bring them someday to a land that he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, hence the name Promised Land. Uh, But uh, they wound up in Egypt. They were there for 430 years before finally God calls them out. He brings them out in glorious, incredible style, to say the least. Brings them out, and uh, in the middle of the desert, he gives them his laws, the commandments, the whole structure of how... They basically build a nation in an incredibly short period of time and gave them structures and rules and how to operate and this is who we are and we're going to be different than any other peoples on the face of the earth and we're going to serve God with all of our hearts and this is how it's all going to work and da 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 I get this whole structure to get together in just this incredibly compressed period of time and then God leads them to the promised land and so here they go from a nation of slaves into a structured nation like that and now to a conquering force ready to take this land that God had promised to them. Now, you remember where we left off is they, they got up to the, the border of the promised land. And Moses put together 12 guys, one from each of the tribes, and said, I want you to go in and check out the land, see what it's, what it's like there. And they came back and said, man, this place is amazing. You guys, wait till you see this place. It's going to fry your brains because this is a place flowing with milk and honey. It's just amazing. Huge grapes that they brought back and just... But they said, we can never do it. We'll never be able to take it. They got big yo mama people in this land. They got big cities. I mean, there's, we don't stand a chance. We are like grasshoppers compared to these people. And they said that we can't do it. We're doomed. We're doomed. We're doomed. We're doomed. We're doomed. And uh, Caleb, there were two guys, Caleb and Joshua, who had gone in with them, who said, no, 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 man, we can do it. We can do it. Come on, man. We can take this place. I mean, clearly, these guys had their faith built. Now, you would think everybody would feel pretty confident at this point. You just have a God who just kicked some serious butt in the nation of Egypt. All right? Surely you have a God who can do stuff that no other God could ever do, that anyone has ever seen. Talk about being on your side. The miracles they saw and the provisions they saw, and they didn't even have to work for food. It was just there every morning for them, and water would come out of nothing. And these guys were being taken care of at an incredible level. Caleb and Joshua got it. They thought, man, we can do it. God has made himself so real to us. I know we can go, and he's promised this stuff, man. We can go. We can take it. We can get these guys. But the other guy said, no, we can't. It's just too hard. It's just too hard. 
<clears throat> and then we pick it up at chapter 14 in, in Numbers. That night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. <laughs> They're just wailing, these people. Now, <clears throat> these people are incorrigible. In the midst of everything I just described to you, these people were whiners and complainers at an unbelievable level. After everything God had done for them, they were constantly complaining and were afraid all the time. And by the way, we need to be careful that this kind of behavior doesn't happen to us. You see, oftentimes it's more comfortable to hang on to what you know, even though it's bad for you, than to trust God and go into new territory that you don't know. And that's what these guys did. They were, in spite of the incredible scenario that I just painted to you, what they wanted to do was go back to Egypt. I like it back there. What do you mean you like it back there? You knew it. You were slaves. Pharaoh made your lives hell. I want to go back. I want to go back. I don't know where we are. I don't know what's going to happen next. Ah! (laughs) Just afraid of what they don't know. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly. Oh, only if we had died in Egypt. (laughs) If only we were dead. This is the response. I wish we were dead back in Egypt. Or even in this desert. We could die here. I'm going to die here. I just wish we were dead. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Come on, you guys. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's, let's choose a leader. Let's choose a, okay, you be the guy. One of you guys. Come, somebody, take us back to Egypt. Why? They hungered and desired and cherished what they knew. Though it wasn't good for them. Though it was hard for them. Though it was oppressive to them. Rather the misery of what we know than stepping into an area that we do not know. Despite all the promises that God had made to these guys. And let me encourage all of you listening to me right now. I know we live right now in uncertain times. And people are filled with fear and paranoia. But I'll tell you, put your trust in God. He has promised. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. King David wrote these words. He says, I was young, but now I'm old. And all my life, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. God will take care of you. He will not forsake you. That's not to say you might not have some trying times. That's not to say that sometimes even people of faith can suffer. But one thing's for sure is we do not have to be afraid. Now, you can either suffer being afraid... Or suffer not being afraid. I would rather suffer not being afraid. Why? Because we're not afraid to heal faster. You get through it faster. People say, Pastor, I'm going to give up. Why? I'm going through hell. If you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going. I want to give up. (laughs) Why hasn't God answered my prayers? Don't freak out. Hang in there. Besides, you know what? God could very well use these economic times to do some 
straightening out in the kingdom of God. Pointing some people in the right direction. I was thinking of a guy this afternoon. I know this guy who had his own business. He worked really, really hard at the business. Built it from nothing. Talk about fear. He was scared to death starting this thing. Doing something new. He eventually got it to a place that was starting to be successful. He was starting to enjoy life. Things were good for him. Able to get a nice house for his family after years of struggling and suffering and having nothing. And things were turning around. And he was involved in his church and doing the right things that he felt he should for the kingdom of God. And suddenly everything started going wrong for him. Everything started going down. Inexplicably, however the word is goes. Everything started going wrong. And he prayed. And he still tithed. And he trusted God. And everything, and everything. And finally, finally, he and his wife had to admit, I don't know what happened, but we have to stop. And we have to do something else. Now, I know a lot of people who in that kind of scenario get bitter at God. They get angry. They question their faith. I did everything right. I tried. I did this. I did that. Everything's wrong. (laughs) What's wrong? I don't know. Maybe God's just taking you in a new direction. Because the guy I just talked to you about was me. And we had gotten to the end of our rope and couldn't understand why God hadn't answered our prayers. And as a result of all those things going wrong in our lives... We wound up back in ministry in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I'll tell you this. If God had answered all those prayers, I promise you, we would not be here. Ain't no way, man. (laughs) I would have stayed where it was comfortable. Having a good old time. Sometimes God just takes you in a new direction. Don't freak out. When you're trying to say, well, the Bible doesn't work. I don't know. You, God. I'm not sure who I'm going to believe here. Probably God. Don't freak out. Hang in there. Trust Him through these uncertain times. And yes, some of you might be looking in a whole different direction a year from now than you are today. And it might hurt going through the transition. Promise you, it hurts. But God has not forsaken you. And I promise you, on the other end, you are always better following God's direction and trusting His provision in your life. Our life is so much more blessed and so much more effective today. And we're having more fun than should be legally allowed because we didn't give up on our faith and trusted God. Is it scary going in directions you don't know? Absolutely. We finally got here and we were part of this church and we're excited about it. And then suddenly that came to an end. They sent us to Stevens Point, Wisconsin. We were not happy. You could see marks from here to Stevens Point as our hands were dragging into the ground. As God drug us over there against our wills. People say, Pastor Mark, we're so glad God spoke to you to come to Stevens Point. He didn't speak to us. We went kicking and screaming the whole way. Ah! We had no other choice. Every other door in our lives was shut. And there we went. And God blessed us. And we had a fabulous time. It was wonderful. And then God opened the doors and we came back here. And there's always change and there's always uncertainty. But God keeps blessing and keeps blessing and it keeps getting better and better and better. 
Not to say there won't be challenging times in the future, but I do know one thing. We can trust God. He will not forsake us. He will not abandon us. We can trust Him. I would rather go into the unknown holding the hand of Jesus than stay back in Egypt where I'm familiar with stuff. Sadly, most people don't think that way. Certainly these people did not. They cried, bellyache and whined, wanted to go back to Egypt, wanted to pick a leader, send them back. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly that had gathered there. They were just... And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, whatever. (laughs) These guys really need to get some new names. Man, I'm telling you. These guys, Joshua and Caleb, these two men who were full of faith, were among those who had explored the land. They tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. I like these guys. They're saying, we can do it, man. Let's go do it. Their protection is gone. God is on our side. Don't be afraid of them. We can, I love guys like this. The ones who look, I mean, seriously, what they were looking at was some serious obstacles. What they were coming up against, these guys were huge, physically huge. You have to remember, they didn't have guns and stuff back then. The gun is quite the equalizer. The gun gives me a good chance against the great big guy. (laughs) Okay? But back in those days, it was mano y mano, man. Hand against hand. Sword against sword. You got some little Puerto Rican up against a gigantic guy. It's a bad day for you. These guys were tiny coming up against these guys. It looked overwhelmingly bad. But Joshua and Caleb were full of faith. And they said to them, man, we can do it. Let's go do it. I love people. And I'll tell you what, I'm blessed to be part of this church because from Stephen's point to here to everybody that's involved overwhelmingly this is a church full of people who look back at me and say yeah we can do it <laughs> I love it everybody else is freaking out and crying we can't do it we can't do it we can't do it we've never done it before we've never done it before we've never done it everything we do we've never done before we're doing all kinds of stuff that would freak the normal people out you guys are all abnormal <laughs> and we're doing it you can't do that you can't do that. You know, I'm just a little amazed by people who always say, you can't do that. Really? Because we're doing it. But you can't do that. <laughs> Sheesh. Get away from me. I want to be hanging with Joshua's and Caleb's. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. <laughs> no, that's, that's another bad day. When you're encouraging the congregation and they want to stone you to death, You didn't do a very effective job of communicating your vision to them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Remember, these guys have been unbelievable. He's getting so irritated. How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed among them? Remember, guys, at this point, there should be like almost no faith involved. I mean, they're seeing things you and I would pay big money to see. 
Every morning was another miracle. Every morning they get up and there's food waiting for them. Well, what kind of faith do you need there? You would, th- yeah, you, yeah, zero. You would think after seeing all the butt kicking and God doing stuff and you walk up to a rock and water comes pouring out of it, you know, that's kind of impressive. <laughs> At what point do you need even any faith? God says, after everything I have done, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But he says of Moses, I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. And Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear about it. Moses really had this thing about worrying what the Egyptians thought. I don't know what the deal what is, you know. But your power brought, by your power you brought these people from among them. And then they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They've already heard that you, O Lord, are with these people. And that you, O Lord, have been seen face to face. And that your cloud stays over them. And that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put these people to death all at one time, the nations who heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised on oath. So he killed them all in the desert. Boy, this guy really knew how to pray, didn't he? Now may the Lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. We've rehearsed that already. This generational curse stuff, this is from verses like this. This is talking about God's punishment, not some satanic curses in people's lives. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people just as you have pardoned them from the time they left until now. God, don't do this. This will be a bad testimony. And I know you. You love to forgive people. So he prays. Then the Lord replied, All right, I've forgiven them just as you ask. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills this whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt in the desert but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valleys, turn back tomorrow and set out toward the desert along their route to the Red Sea. Now this is very significant here. This is one of these major biblical events that uh, will always be referred to. Here God brings them out, gives them structure. He's going to make of them a great nation. He's going to go into the promised land, kick butt and take names. But these guys were such whiners, such complainers. God says, okay, I will forgive them, but I'm not letting any of them in. Now God's plan was to take them in right away. But I'll tell you what, as I preached on Sunday, God will wait you out, man. God's not in a hurry. Don't think you can ever pressure God into anything. He just, so he decided, wait, I'll just wait till these cats all die. They're not going in. Their kids are going. Caleb gets to go in. Joshua, you'll see, also gets to go in because they had faith. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. What did they say? I wish we died in Egypt or if we could just die in this desert. Be careful what you pray for is what God is saying. Because I'm going to give them what they asked for. They're going to die in this desert. 
In this desert, verse 29 says, your bodies will fall. Every one of you 20 years old or more. If you were 19, these were good words. You who counted in the census and who grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore and upheld, uplifted with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb and Joshua. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, oh, they're going to take our kids, they're going to take our kids. I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But you, your bodies will fall in this desert. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your body lies in the desert. 40 years, one year, for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will, ex- you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to the whole wicked community which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in the desert. Here they will die. And now this is why they were stuck in the desert for 40 years. You hear how they wandered in the desert for 40 years before they got to the land? It didn't take 40 years to get to this place. They could have gotten there right away. God's plan was to get them right away. They were so stubborn, so full of unbelief, God just let them rot and die in the desert. You guys just keep walking around. I ain't going nowhere. 40 years, it's like, you know, two seconds to God. And that's why this happened to them. So the man Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men responsible for spreading the bad report in the land about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. So these cats who brought it on, all of a sudden they got sicker than dogs and they died right away because they were just full of unbelief, full of fear. We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. It's never been done. Who's ever heard of such a thing? Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua and Caleb survived. When Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. Why were they crying? Now these bunch of, bunch of criers, they're always crying. Ah, I don't want to go. Then God says, okay, this is going to be your punishment. Ah, like, Shut up already. Yeesh. They mourned bitterly. Early the next morning, they went toward the high hill country. We have sinned. We have sinned. We'll, we'll go to the place the Lord promised. We'll go now. We'll go now. <laughs> Don't you like the dramatic acting out? This brings it to life, man. I don't know. You guys come to listen to me. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not. Now, get it out. These jackaninnies. After all of this, now they're going to go. We, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. Come on, you guys. We can do it. And Moses says, are you out of your minds? God isn't letting you in there now. You will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there because you have turned away from the Lord. He will not be with you. You will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, they went. (laughs) Somebody shoot me. 
Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went toward the high hills. Well, why didn't you do this yesterday? Because we can't do it. We can't do that. And here's the amazing thing. Just because they felt bad, now they felt they could go do it. Like guilt was more of a motivator to these people than anything. Don't be driven by guilt all the time. Get full of faith. So in their presumption, they went up to the hard hill country, though neither Moses or the Ark of the Lord's covenant moved from the camp. Moses, I ain't going up there. <laughs> you guys have a nice time. Have a nice time storming the castle. <laughs> Princess Bride. How many of you have seen Princess Bride? Do you not love this movie? Yes, I've been talking about it on my radio show. The co-host is a wacko. She doesn't like the movie. But I, I've been fighting for it every day. Have a nice time scoring the castle. So they go up. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat the snot out of them. And away they ran. If they would have just done that the day before. Amazing. See, they could have. See, no, that's, that's, that's part of the problem of, of spreading doubt and unbelief. That's why the Bible just really, God does not take lightly to people who poison the faith of other people. God says, if there's one thing he cannot stand, is he who sows discord among the brethren. He goes, around, well, yeah, I don't know what that pastor, I don't know what people know what they're doing. You know, you know what they do, don't you? You know what they do? No, I don't know what they do. And they get you all freaked out. Because you listen to some idiot. Don't listen to these people just filling you full of doubt and unbelief. You know that ain't right. Listen, and did you know that? And did you know this? And then they all get freaked out. If those guys would have spoken faith to these guys, they'd have gone and done it. Because the next day they did it. Too late. Well, then, chapter 15, they go into more rules. <laughs> there weren't enough rules already. We got more rules about supplementary offerings. Then we got offerings for unintentional sins. Then there's a guy who didn't do something right on the Sabbath day. And they killed him. And then they said, you know, put tassels on your garments for this, that, and the other. Just anyway, on and on and on and on and on. So we get to chapter 16. You can read 15 on your own time. 16. Then Korah, son of Isar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and certain Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram, Abiram, sons of Eliab, the son of, son of, son of, son of, became insolent. Insolent. Korah, Korah, sons of Israel, Dathan and Abiram, they can't take this anymore. And they rose up against Moses. And with them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders. These weren't idiots. Highly respected men who had been appointed by the members of the council. That's one of the problems. Sometimes you give people authority and they get all arrogant. Hey, I'm, a, I'm a deacon in our church. You know. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, an anointed deacon in our church. You know, we don't get caught up in a lot of those titles and stuff like that. Don't give people a lot of... Because it tends to corrupt people for some bizarre reason. Just be humble for crying out loud. 
I don't know, Pastor, there's a deacon in this church. I don't think we ought to... Shut up! Well, I'm a this, you know, I'm a that. So these 250 men who had been appointed become arrogant and these following these guys. And they came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron. I said, you, you, you've gone too far. You've gone too far. See, they, they got angry. Now, 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 we just saw this with, uh, with uh, Aaron and Miriam. Remember, they came against Moses and said, you know, God doesn't just talk to you, you know. You think you're so spiritual. God speaks to us too. You know, there's no spiritual. I think you are, you unspiritual person. God speaks to us too. And God so, got so hacked off. Miriam turns white as a le- full of leprosy. And God had mercy on her. Well, this time the whole community is holy. You think you're so holy. No, everybody's holy. God didn't just bring you up out of Egypt. He brought all of us. You're not the only one holy around here, Mr. Spiritual. Every one of them, the Lord is with them. You think God is just with you, Pastor? You think you're so spiritual? You're up there, Mr. Ha 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 ha. It's not even like going to church at your church. It's just like going to the David Letterman show at your church. I have heard this. I have. Some of you say better. God bless you. <laughs> People, they insult me for being too funny. Like, I'm going to get insulted by that. Really? You think I'm that funny? Yes! Thank you very much. Yeah, Mr. Up there. Ha, ha, ha. Funny. Think you're so spiritual. You're so spiritual. God talks to us too, you know. Why do you set yourself up above the Lord's You think you're really something. When Moses heard this, he just fell on his face. <laughs> Poor Moses. He spent half the time with his face in the dirt. <laughs> then he said to Korah and all his followers, In the morning the Lord will show who belongs to him and who is holy. And he will have that person come near to him. The man who chooses, he chooses, he will cause to come near him. You, Korah, and all your followers are to do this. Take censers and and tomorrow put fire and incense in them. You know, very religious. The man whom the Lord chooses will be the one who is holy. And he looks at him and says, you Levites have gone too far. All arrogant and proud. Moses also said to Korah, now listen, you Levites, isn't it enough for you? That the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the Israelite community and brought you near to himself to do the work of the Lord's tabernacle and to stand before the community and minister. Isn't it enough that God has anointed you, has blessed you? See, this is part of the problem. Sometimes God starts blessing people in, the, the, in, in a church. Not just this church, but this happens in churches all the time. And the people I'm talking about were people in this church who God was blessing. They were starting to be used and all of a sudden they become arrogant. Mr. Ha ha ha, I'm appropriate. I'm a, I'm a spiritual man, you know. Ooh. It's not enough that God is blessing you and raising you up and anointing. Now you've got to be arrogant about it. He has brought you and all your fellow Levites near to himself, but now you are trying to get the priesthood too. You want it all. 
pastor's not so smart. It is against the Lord that you and your followers have banded against together. Who is Aaron that you should grumble against him? <laughs> kind of a slam against Aaron. You know, because they're mo- complaining against Moses and Aaron. So you're whining and complaining and all this, you know. And this is your insulting God. Who's Aaron? He's nothing. I can see Aaron going. Then Moses summoned Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. But they said, we will not come. Isn't it enough that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert? Oh, you dirty little rats! Now they're blaming him because they didn't go into the land flowing with milk and honey. (laughs) Man, I'd have killed them all. I'm not nearly as nice as Moses. He's praying, God, don't kill him. Don't I'll be praying, God, just kill him. Quick. Just quick, God. Quick, quick. Goodness gracious. You took us out of this land of milk and honey. Now you're going to kill us in the desert. And now you want us to lord it over us. Mr. Powerful, you're in charge. Moreover, you haven't brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you gouge out our eyes of these men? No, we will not come. Why don't you come see? I ain't coming. Oh, come on, I want to meet with you. I ain't coming to your stupid office. Do it, Pastor. I ain't listening to you. <laughs> I have stuff like this all the time. I'm not coming to be Moses, but the analogy, you get it, right? This is, you know, the leadership of the church trying to reach out to people. Then Moses became very angry and said to the Lord, Do not accept their offering. I have not taken so much as a donkey from these people, nor have I wronged any of them. Moses said to Korah, You and all your followers are to appear before the Lord tomorrow, you and they and Aaron. Each man is to take a censer and put incense in it, 250 censers in all, and present it before the Lord. You and Aaron are also to present your censers. So each man took a censer, put fire and incense in it, and they stood with Moses and Aaron in the entrance, at the entrance to the tent of meetings where God was hanging out. When Korah had gathered all his followers in opposition to them at the entrance of the tent of meeting, the glory of the Lord appeared to the entire assembly. Now check it out. These guys really thought they were right. They really thought, that, well, we're just as holy as you are. Exercise our constitutional right in this congregation. They stood there all arrogant right next to Moses, no fear. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, separate yourself from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. (laughs) You might want to step aside. (laughs) But again, Moses and Aaron fell face down and cried, Oh God, God of the spirits of all mankind, will you be angry with the entire assembly just because of one stupid idiot? Praying for them again. You got to hand it to Moses. Then Moses, then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the assembly, Move away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. So he was going to wipe them all out, these 250 other guys. And go, oh, no, God, not just people, because they knew who was behind it. These guys got arrogant because they had position in the congregation. They were a thought or something. But all of this was inflamed by these three smart Alecs. And Moses knew where this was coming from. God says, you might want to move because I'm going to wipe them. God, please don't. No, 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 not because of just these other guys. So then God tells them, 
Well, then tell everybody to get away from these three. <laughs> so Moses got up and went to Dathan and Abraham and Abarim, Abarim, Abarim. Why can't I say that? And the elders of Israel followed him. And he warned the assembly, move back from the tents of these wicked men. Do not touch anything belonging to them, or you will be swept away because of all their sins. So they all moved away from Korah, Dathan, and Abraham. Dathan and Abraham had come out and were standing there with their wives and children and little ones at the entrance of their tents. Then Moses said, this is how you will know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things. And that it wasn't my idea. This wasn't my idea. I didn't come up with this plan. If these men die a natural death and experience only what usually happens to men, then the Lord has not sent me. In other words, if they just live regular lives and they die like anybody else and nothing happens to them, then, then I'm a phony. But if the Lord brings about something totally new, a little unusual like, I don't know, the earth opens up and swallows them whole with everything that belongs to them and they go down alive into the grave something like that you know just coincidentally then you'll know that these men have treated the Lord with contempt well as soon as he finished saying all of this the ground underneath them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them well, all their households and all Korah's men and all their possessions, they went down alive into the grave with everything they owned. The earth closed back over them. <laughs> and they perished. And they were gone from the community. At their cries, all the Israelites around them fled, shouting, Ah! <laughs> the earth is going to get us too! Why would they think? Because they were in on this. And fire came out from the Lord. These guys were just, they wouldn't stop. Oh, God's going to kill us too. Okay. So God sends fire and just barbecues them. 250 men. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, to take the censers out of the smoldering remains and scatter the coal some distance away. For the censors are holy, the censors of the men who sinned at the cost of their lives. Hammer the censors into sheets and overlay the altar, for they were presented before the Lord and have become holy, and let them be a sign to the Israelites. So Eleazar the priest collected the bronze censors. That's all that was left. <laughs> now wouldn't you think you shouldn't tick God off at this point? I mean, this keeps happening. And they keep egging God on. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but man, you start frying people in front, man, I'm, I'm stepping back. I ain't saying nothing, man. I just, hey, hey, Moses, I love you, man. Good job. <laughs> man! These people! <laughs> and all that's left are the little incense burners that they had. Amazing. Well, the next day, the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. <laughs> How do you even explain this? I mean, seriously, I don't understand this. It was like, like, I don't think these people were really smart back then. I mean, it, it was like Egypt. Remember Egypt? Pharaoh would say, I'm not going to let the people go. And whoosh, some big plague would come wipe everybody out. And then, and then he'd say, okay, I'm sorry. 
And then he changed his mind. I ain't going to let him go. You know, three or four of that, you'd think you'd get a clue. But then he wouldn't stop. Until God kills the firstborn and then he finally gets up. And even then, he changes his mind and goes running after him. God swallows him up in the sea. These guys, man, I'm telling you, if I see something like this, I am the nicest guy to Moses you ever saw. Man, I am Moses, you know, grunt boy. Whatever you want, baby. I'm carrying, I'm cleaning, I'll take care of you. But you, you are, just don't fry me. But the next, not a month later, not a year later after they had a chance to think about this, not when they finally forgot about it, but the next day. Stupid Moses. Stupid Mr. Ha ha ha. They're funny guys. That Aaron guy with a stupid accent. You know, what the South African guy, you know, what is that all about? <laughs> this is too much fun. It's, they're stupid people. You kill the Lord's people. You kill the... I think God did that. Wouldn't you say? Moses wasn't zapping people. When the whole assembly gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and turned toward the tent of meeting, suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting and the Lord said to Moses, You might want to step back. <laughs> hey, there's my African right there. How you doing, man? You just walk in? I was just insulting you, man. You missed it. It's fabulous. <laughs> Play back the tape. <laughs> so here we go again. The people whining and complaining. And God says to them again, you might want to step back a little bit. Well, this time, Moses said to Aaron, take your censer, put incense in it along with fire from the altar and hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them. Go quick. Wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has started. So Aaron did as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started among the people, but Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead and the plague stopped. But by the time he'd finally done this, 14,700 people had died from the plague in addition to those who had died because of Korah then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tent of meeting for the plague had stopped wow truly amazing stuff man I'm telling you this this is wow 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 holy cow wow and uh, we might as well just stop here because uh, <clears throat> that's the end of that chapter we'll pick it up again next week at chapter 17, a little interesting thing about, uh, about Aaron's staff. And then there's some more rules, blah, 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 blah. And then another major event that happens uh, in the life of Moses. We're about to read why Moses never got to go into the promised land. Wait till you check that out next week. Hallelujah. All right. Let's have our offering ushers come forward and our musicians come crawling back onto the stage. Hallelujah. Don't we have some great musicians? Aren't we blessed at this church, man? I'm telling you.
we have a plethora of musicians. Jose, do you know what a plethora is? You know what movie that's from? Three Amigos, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's the matter with me tonight. Let's, let's pray for the summer. Thank you, God, that we can come in this place and we can honor you and celebrate before you and offer up our praises of thanksgiving and, and grace. And, Lord, thank you that you love us and you care for us. And thank you, Lord, for the cross of Christ. Because, because of that sacrifice, you don't just wipe us out anymore. <laughs> because a lot of us probably wouldn't have made it this far. Because we make mistakes and we do stupid things. But help us to be smart. Help us not to be arrogant. Help us not to be overly critical and mean-spirited. And stuff. Help us to walk in love and in peace. And thank you for the grace of God that forgives us when we sin. Thank you for your provisions, Lord, that you provide for us. As particularly in the... Uh, environment that we're in right now. We are grateful, oh God. Help us not to be unthankful. We are grateful for the jobs that we have, for the provisions that you make for us. And we now honor you with a portion of what you have blessed us with. Continue to bless us. Keep us safe, Lord. Keep your hand upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.